Good morning. Uh, a few weeks ago, we started a new series in First John that I think might be helpful in our reading and understanding of this letter. First John is written by John, and John was one of Jesus's original disciples. Now, at the point that John is writing this letter, he is old. He is very old. That's one of the reasons why he addresses the people constantly as little children. John, as he's writing, he is a city called Ephesus, which at that time was one of the largest cities in the Roman Empire. Now, as we think about this, as we ponder this, you get a sense of the juxtaposition that we have. Here is this old man from a previous generation He is being carried around on a cot, going from house to house, church to church, to preach and teach, own legs to walk around. And the people are carrying him around to hear him speak for the very last time. He is this old man from a previous generation being carried around to preach. Now he's doing so in a major metropolis, Ephesus, the economy is booming at this time, and ideas are being exchanged, and thoughts are being changed rapidly. So we find here someone from a previous generation teaching. Now, if you read the whole letter through, you'll come away thinking, wow, this letter is really repetitive. Some might even think 1 John is a bit incoherent. In fact, a number of our members, when encouraged to read this letter on their own, they read it and they came up to me and they said, you know, I have a hard time with 1 John. It's repetitive, and this letter doesn't seem to follow a clear line up by a hundred-year-old man. (laughs) I don't know if you've ever sat at the feet of an elderly person before and listened to them talk. Uh, Maybe it was your grandparents or maybe your own parents. Elderly people tend not to speak in a linear way, but they speak in a repetitive or even a circular manner. You know, I listened to my grandparents before left, and so I sat there listening to them, and I kept thinking to myself, you said that already. You said that already. You said that already. And I found myself just constantly looking up up, up at the clock. All right, let's go, let's go. And, you know, I I share this because, you know, really, I wasn't being selfish. Uh, I wasn't being immature. But I kept thinking, like, Grandpa, you don't have much time left. I kept thinking, you know what? You have to be more efficient with your words. Come on, let's speak to me everything that you want me to know. But he kept repeating himself over and over. Now, years later, after having gone through more of life, Uh, There are things that they told me, which at that time landed flat, I now realize was, in fact, profound and deep. As good as his word. I kept thinking, yeah, yeah, that means be honest, tell the truth, be honest, tell the truth. But, you know, as I gone through life more and more, I realized, yeah, a man's reputation, a man's being is, yeah, summed up in his word. A man is only as good as his words. And that which fell flat at that time started to echo and resonate more deeply. I would say 1 John is quite similar. Trite or cliche. They're repetitive. But if you chew on them, 
you pray over them, if you meditate upon these words, they will, I promise, start to reverberate loudly into the deepest recesses of your heart. And so, um, we are three weeks in, but let me present to you a sort of a roadmap of where we have been and where we are going. These are some of the topics that John discusses in his letter. We look, today, we'll be looking at the Christian and God. Next week, we'll be looking at the topic of the Christian and other Christians, the Christian and the world, the Christian and falsehood, the Christian and truth. And these are some of the themes and the topics that are repeated over and over again in the letter. And that's why when we read uh, before the message, we, we're looking at a few passages trying to make sense of it. Questions that I would like to answer for us today are just two simple questions. First is, who is God? And second, who is God to us? Who is God? You know, if I were to ask you, who are you? Uh, there are a number of ways to answer that. Uh, if you were to answer internally, who am I, right? You can answer this in a number of ways. We can answer it socially or culturally. You can say, you know, I am, um, you know, your ethnicity. Or you can answer this question, who am I, functionally. You can speak of your career, the things that you do most of the time throughout the day. You can answer this question relationally. You can talk about the relationships that you are in. I'm a mother, I'm a father, I'm a son, I'm a daughter, I'm a sister or a brother, I'm a friend. Or you can answer this question personally. You can speak about your characteristics. You can say, I am kind. You can say, I am smart. But if you say, I'm smart, your, your being, well, what, what makes up your character? Now, if I were to ask you, yes, who are you? Don't answer it socially, culturally. Don't answer it personally, relationally. Who are you at your core? If we can strip away everything, who are you in your very essence? Who or what are you? How would you answer this question? Think about him. But when it comes to the core of who God is, the essence of who God is, we find there are three statements in the Bible. The first is this. God is spirit. This is found in John 4, 24. And God is spirit is a statement that's simply saying God is impassable, that nothing can harm him, that he is pure, that he is unmixed, that he has in that we find in the Bible is this. God is light. And we saw this last week. God is light speaks of his being as holy, righteous, that he is the source of life. And the third God is statement that we have in the Bible is in today's passage. It says, God is love. God is love. When describing God, uh, the author John, he doesn't say simply God has love. Simply and plainly, God is love. Now, I know Christians are really they're, uh, familiar with this statement, God is love. But if you think about it, this is, in fact, a strange statement. You know, we use love as an adjective. We say, that person is lovely. Or we use it as an adverb. He is loving. But we never use love as a direct object with the stative verb is. In other words, we never say, Henry is love. 
we would never dare to say, Susan is love. No one would dare say this about themselves or someone else because love, we understand it to be something that we can share or who here is audacious enough to say, I am love. But the Bible does when it describes God. It makes the strange statement, God is love. Have you ever given thought to this statement, that God is love. Do you know what this means? It means that love comes from God. That shared capital where it's equally owned and managed and defined by the people, the community, right? Sort of like Bitcoin, right? And blockchain technology. No, the Bible is saying love, God is love. It's saying that love is a divine property. That love is a divine affection. That love begins with God. That it has its origin in and between the Godhead, the Trinity from eternity past. If I can use modern language, I'll say this. The Bible teaches that God has a patent on love. That it belongs to Him. That it is from Him. That it flows from Him that its source is in him. Things that we have in the Bible that, yeah, sometimes could fall flat. But if you chew on it more, it's one of those profound sayings. God is love. What does this mean? Let me flesh this out a little. What does it mean that God is love? Well, the passage before us uh, helps us. Let me talk about three, three things, three things that uh, God's love means. And the first is this, God's love cannot be earned. Because love has its source in God, because it begins with God, because it is His very nature and it flows freely from Him, love is something that cannot be earned, love is something that cannot be deserved. You see, if you think about how love works, right, think about the people you love. Think about the people in your life that you are in love with. Right? Every morning, you don't wake up thinking, does this person deserve my love? No, you don't do that. You wake up that morning, and your love flows from you naturally to that person. I mean, it's strange, isn't it? You know, you might have qualifications on who to like. You, you know, you have to meet a certain standard. You might have qualifications on who to like. But with love, there are no qualifications. See, love is not like chemistry where two substances meet and they form this reaction and it's called love. No, that's how we like people. But love, it actually begins with the individual. It's a decision that starts with the individual. Now, you, can, you can't like someone without that person not liking you back. Reciprocating. Love functions in this way because this is how love is at its source. 
We are loved by God simply because God is love. We are loved by God not because we are lovable, but because God is love. God's love, no more and no less. God's love, we do not have to qualify to receive it. Because God is love. He is the source of love. It flows freely from him. And it cannot be earned and it cannot be deserved. This is what John writes in chapter 4, verse 10. And this is love, not that we have loved God. Uh, Two years ago, our church, uh, we committed to helping uh, refugees resettle here in the States. We were praying about this, and we committed, yes, we will help refugees resettle here in the United States. And so what we did was we formed the committee, we did the necessary training, uh, we were approved by voluntary organizations working with the UNHCR, we did all that was necessary, and we waited anxiously for families to arrive here in their states whom we can help resettle. able to partner with was from the DRC, the Democratic Republic of Congo. We found out that they lived in a refugee camp, camp in Rwanda, We received their names and their ages. They were a family of four, three sisters and one brother. We didn't even have a photo. We just had their names and their ages. And the committee at that time, we committed to pray. And we started, loved the families before we even met them. Because we had committed to love them, we made the decision to love them before we even found out who they were, what they were like, before we were able to even share a conversation, we loved them. We naturally, free-flowingly loved them. We made the decision. It's teaching that God's love, it's not something that we have to merit first, but it's something that is freely given. And no matter how good or bad we are, it doesn't mean that he loves us more or he loves us less. God is love. The second thing that I'd like to flesh out is this. Uh, God's love is real. And what I mean by this is God's love is not theoretical or just at the intellectual level. And it is physical. There is an effect in God's love. This is what it reads. In this, The love of God was made manifest among us. It says God's love was shown to us. What did he do? That he sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. It goes on again. And he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. You see, the Bible is teaching that God's love is not just a feeling and is not just simply words but it is God's decision to voluntarily and willingly give himself up for us. You know why the words, I love you, are so powerful? I love you is so powerful because it means that the person saying it, love you, means I will give myself to you. You know, a few years ago, a well-known comedian wrote an article for Times Magazine on the subject of love. He wrote this article after doing uh, this this pretty um, wide social study. Uh, He tried to understand why his parents, after 35 years of marriage, 
uh, being arranged in a marriage, having met each other only for 30 minutes after uh, you know, committing to get married, how they were still happily married. And he tried to friends because he wondered, why is it that we, when we have you know, exposure to all of social media, when we have the world at our fingertips through these dating sites, why is it that we are so unhappy? And he, tr and he did this study trying to figure out what is love? And this comedian in this article, he recalls a time when he was at a wedding in California. And during this wedding, these people, uh, the bride and the groom, they quarrelful that had resulted in four couples breaking up. Because when those couples heard those vows, they thought, I don't have that. I want that. And what we have, it's not that. He writes, these are some of the vows that they said. You are a prism that takes the light of life and turns it into a rainbow. No joke, these are all, okay? I mean, people received it thinking, wow, I want this. Again, this is California. People are a little bit more, you know. <laughs> uh, this is another vow. You are a lotion that moisturizes my heart. Without you, my soul has eczema. <laughs> these are real vows that were exchanged. And he writes, when, when the people in attendance heard this, they thought, oh my goodness, I want this. Friends, these are not vows. A real vow is, I will lay down my life for you. A real vow is, I will give myself to you. A real vow is, I will never leave you. A real vow is, I will die daily for you. When the Bible says that God is love, and the Bible says that God loves us. It doesn't end with these lofty ideas and these poetic stanzas. The Bible. No, this is the way in which it describes. For God so loved, he gave. He gave. Or, see what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. This is the way in which the Bible describes God's love. Not that we have First 1 John 1.13, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. God's love for us resulted in him giving up that which was most precious to him, his son. When he saw his creation dead in sin, God sprung up into action because he loved us. This is the way in which God loves. The Bible describes God's love as agape. This is a translation for love. And this word that translates agape is charity. God's love is charity. It's not just an idea, a doctrine, a theological statement, but God's love is real. It results in pain. As he sent his son, it results in abandonment, it results in sacrifice. It results, and for us, redemption and adoption. Um, people love going to help a dog shelter, go visit the dog shelter. It's one thing to go to a dog shelter, to see a dog every day and to fall in love with it and to go on living your life. It's another thing to go in to play with a dog, to provide for it, to give to it. And it's totally another thing. When you go, you love the dog. And you commit, saying, I'm going to take this dog home. 
electric reaction and it's ticks. You love the dog. You give yourself to it. And that's what God is doing. The third thing that, uh, to flesh out this statement, God is love, is this. God's love is defining. And what I mean by this is all of God's love, all of God's actions are defined by love. You know, when you say a statement like, he is patient, right? When you use the state of verb is to describe someone, he attributes. But patience is something that defines and affects everything that he does. And so if he's working, if you say he is a patient worker, then that patience defines everything that he does. If he's in conflict and you say he is patient, you know that in that conflict he can be patient. As a parent, if you say he is patient, you know that it defines his parenting. You're saying that this person can endure traffic. When the Bible says God is love, it's teaching that all of God's actions are influenced by his love. And so when the Bible says God, he guides us, it doesn't mean that God is like a GPS, right? With this automated voice saying, turn left, turn us. It means that he does so lovingly. When the Bible says that God cares for us, God isn't just caring for us at the level of a social worker, but he cares for us lovingly. When God provides for us, God is not just some welfare system giving to us what we need, but he's providing for us lovingly. Even so, when God judges lovingly, when he disciplines and chastises, God is not some drill sergeant trying to discipline us to get us to go the right way and behave the right way. But when it says in the Bible that he disciplines us, it is saying that he disciplines us lovingly. And when he is angry or jealous, the Bible is teaching that he is lovingly angry and shining. It sums up all of his action towards us. That when he disciplines, chastises, when he judges, when he guides, when he cares, when he provides, he does so lovingly. You know, too often uh, we think that God's love is just a concept about God's love. But when was the last time that you not just contemplated about love, but you actually experienced God's love? The goal and the aim this morning is for you not just to understand God's love, but to experience it, to soak in it, to bathe in it. You know, let me share as we close just one illustration. Uh, it's by a man by the name of Ernie Johnson, Jr. Some of you might know him. He's a sportscaster for CBS. He does things like you know, basketball on TNT, and he also does, I believe, the British Open. A few years ago, uh, a competing network, ABC, did a piece on him. Now, Ernie Johnson came into the news uh, he, you know, after a couple of statements he made uh, during the political election, and uh, he had, he had some information. ABC did a 20, 30-minute piece on him. 
And in this piece, this documentary, it showed that Ernie Johnson had a son in his mid-20s who had a severe form of muscle dystrophy. And this is his son. His name is Michael. And it showed that this man, Ernie Johnson, before he went on uh, TV um, every other night, in the morning he woke up and he had to clothe his son. And he was in bed, he couldn't move, he couldn't really talk. And when the viewers saw this, they thought, wow, what a powerful, powerful example of love. But as the documentary got into it, it revealed that Michael is actually adopted. In the 1990s, uh, when Romania had uh, lots of political unrest, uh, there were thousands of Romanian orphans that were abandoned in warehouses. I'd like to adopt a Romanian child. And so she went to Romania just to, to visit, to see what it would be like. And the first child she met was this little boy that the nurse put into her hands. And when the nurse put the child into her hands, the nurse said, uh, ma'am, don't take this boy. This boy is no good. When she held the child in her hand, she was so moved with compassion. He has so many issues, and he's more than we can handle. But I don't know if I can go the rest of my life wondering what is going to happen to him. And Ernie Johnson Jr. said these simple words, then bring him home. So they did. They got him, they got him home, they tested him, and found out that he has muscle dystrophy, that he's never going to walk, uh, never going to be able to speak correctly, or even to, when people found that out, you know, visitors came over to Ernie Johnson's house, and they would always say things like, oh, I, I'm so sorry for what happened to Michael. And they would say, I guess if you had known that he had mus muscular dystrophy, uh, you wouldn't have adopted him. And Ernie Johnson replies by saying in his book, Unscripted, Nothing could have been further from the truth. Not with an eye on what he would become, but an eye for who he was, a neglected, forgotten child who deserved another chance. Ernie Johnson, in his own biography, autobiography, he writes that he wasn't really sure where this was coming from. But all things changed in 1997 when he started attending a church, he thought, maybe I should bring my kids to church for spiritual discipline, confessed and accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And after having experienced that love, that he was a wayward child in which God loved unconditionally, that God loved not because he had earned it, but God loved him freely, he realized that the love that he was giving to his son was just a dim reflection of God's love for us. In one of the chapters of his book, Ernie Johnson Jr. says this, you know, my says that he can actually say is this, love you too, love you too. It's because Michael had heard the phrase, I love you, I love you, I love you, over and over and over again. Not only did he just hear it, but he felt it. It was real. Every day, this man, who was, wasn't even his own biological father, who was this TV star, Emmy-winning Emmy sportscaster, he would wake up every morning and could make out this sentence, 
love you too. Love you too. Friends, the goal for today, this morning, as we ponder upon what John is saying, God is love, is for us to bask in this love, to bathe our souls in this love. It's not just to understand it and contemplate it and grasp it with our minds, but it's to let it soak deeply within. You know, there are some truths we get into, we crack open, and we get into every crevice, every corner, and we soak in it. You know, a few days ago, we had Maryland crab, blue crab. It's the season, and you know, you have to have it. And no one eats blue crab with just a chopstick. But what do you do? You set the paper out, and you take this crab, you open it up, and you get your fingers and your nails all dirty into it, and you get every little piece that you can. You take the shell, and you suck. That's my favorite part, intestines and row. And what I do is I take the shell open. I put some white rice on it, a little sesame oil, a little soy sauce, mix it all up, and I get everything. I get everything. And after eating blue crabs, my kids are saying, Dad, your hands smell like crabs. Dad, your, your facial hair smells like crabs. Please don't come near me. And my wife said, honey, Please, if you're ever going to pass gas, please tell me because I know it's going to smell like crabs. But after having crabs that day, everything delve into that I soaked myself into. You know, the love of God is not something that we simply think about, talk about, and sing about. But we get into it. We roll up our sleeves, we get into it. We enjoy it. We suck on it. We chew on it. We have our souls bathe in God's love. Love you too. Love you too. May this be the confession on our lips this morning.